0: Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay. So, welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I, it's the top of the month, so we have a few things to discuss in terms of a few new books that are coming out in April. Gail just got back from vacation, so we have to see what her reading life was like and what she managed to finish. Um, We have our, we're going to be announcing the winner of our March Book Madness, you know, our Readerly Report March Book Madness competition. Um, So we'll be discussing those two finalists. So it looks like we have a pretty robust conversation coming up. We've got a lot to get to. So I guess let's just start, Gail, let's start in with the bracket. Why don't you tell us what our final two books are? Set us up for that.
1: Yes. Okay. All right. So we're down to the final two. And we have two books left Everything Here is Beautiful versus American Marriage. Um, Nicole, if I had asked you at the very beginning of this to predict who would be at the end, uh, are these books you, you think you would have come up with back then? No. <laughs> Neither of them are just not Everything Here is Beautiful. I don't think, <laughs> I, I love how mm-hmm. you
0: assume that it would not have been an American marriage that I didn't think would make it. But no, I didn't think everything here is beautiful, but I had not really paid attention. I just saw the, we how many, we started with 16 books. Correct. So I don't think I was really paying attention to the brackets. I saw the books and I saw what I thought might make it. And because of the way we structured, you know, what books went against each other in the opening rounds, like I would have thought that some of those books would have been incompetent in play now, but they knocked each other out. So I'm a little bit surprised. But you know, it's, it's interesting to me that of course, well, not interesting. That's a lie. It is, I guess it makes sense that we would end up with two literary fiction books.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not really that surprised given your and my type, the books that we gravitate towards, the books that resonate the best with us. And I think it's been fun to sort of parse these out a little bit. And I I think sometimes I predicted that a a round would go one direction and it went another based on the conversation when we've sort of like put these books through the criteria and put them through their paces, things came out a little differently than, than I expected. Um, all right, well let's, let's get to this one. So we have, everything here is beautiful. We've talked about this on the show many times. Um, this is the book about, uh, mental illness, um, Uh, immigration a little bit and the relationship between two sisters. And it has beat out some serious competition with The Girl on the Train and Waiting for Eden, which is a book that you and I both loved. And I think the reason that it has made it as far as it has, uh, in addition to just being a good book, is that we have felt that the themes that come up in the book are ones that are Timeless or timely, and that the book itself will stand the test the test of time because it's still going to be it's resonant and powerful. Yeah, and you know, five years from now, the second book we have is American Marriage, Tyari Jones' book about a uh, love triangle that takes on issues of racism and kind of institutional, well, institutional racism, and then just challenges of being a black man this book we have lauded from the beginning we've both really liked it 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 had its toughest competition early on when it was up against great believers due to some poor planning by the people who (laughs) seeded the bracket um And we actually ended up flipping a coin because we went back and forth so much on American marriage versus great believers. And we kept sort of talking each other in and out of winners and ended up feeling like they were both so good that there was no way to resolve it other than through a coin flip. So the great believers is here in spirit. Yes, it is here. The the ghost of the great believers is hovering and angrily watching this conversation. So, um, okay. So these two are both serious books, um, both literary fiction. Do you have a winner that you would get out of these two?
0: I, I don't know. It's so hard to go against, it's so hard to go against how sucked in I was by an American marriage. You know, it's, I think that, and, and I felt it as I was reading it. It's like, feeling two kinds of ways, like really sucked into this book and really reading it. And at the same time, there's a part of me in the back of my head going, wow, how does she do this? Because I was rooting for this person and now I'm rooting for that person. There's something, yeah, I don't know. There's something that's just very poignant and present. And, and this novel just grabs me in a way that, you know, when I think of it next to When I think of it next to, what's the other book? I can't even think of it. Everything here is beautiful. When I think of it compared to everything here is beautiful, like everything here is beautiful just seems a little more vague. And I really thought that that book was poignant. Like I really felt for the characters in that book. But at the same time, Roy and Celestia, is that her name? Celeste, something like Celestial. Roy and Mm -hmm, Celestial and celestials friend whose name escapes me i just i just see their lives like so that would be my vote
1: yeah i, I tend to agree uh i for me i i do think American Marriage wins on a number of criteria here, but for me, it actually, it also comes down to how much I just enjoyed reading it. You know, I had a conf- sort of conflicted relationship with everything. Here is beautiful. I started it on audio, did not like it on audio, almost DNF'd it, but then I switched to the print and liked it a lot better. But it still, for me, was not. Um, it wasn't my favorite book of the year, and um, I, you know, I found I had issues with it. So. America, everything here is beautiful for me on on paper. Ironically, on paper kind of works because I feel like it hits the right issues and it is timely, and I think it will stand the test of time. But is we, you and I talked initially about the first criteria being was this an engrossing read all the way through? American Marriage for me was just a better read. So for me, I that tips the scale which was already leaning towards American marriage, it tips the scale for me to American marriage.
0: Yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So we have crowned a winner. I know everyone is in shock right now at this
1: upset. (laughs) That's what March Madness is all about. about. Heartbreaking, heartbreaking last minute victories, you know. By the top seed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, all right, well. We've really enjoyed doing this, and we promise that next year, whatever form this takes, whether it's the same type of thing, just books we've both read, or maybe we'll go deeper like memoirs or nonfiction or something like that, we will give more thought to how we uh, seed it so that it is uh, maybe a little more suspenseful and that some of the matchups are a little more um, fair. Or at least that we don't stick the the top seeds against each other too early. I think that was the problem that we did this time. So we'll we'll work on it. This was our first year doing it. Really we really enjoyed it and we thank you guys all for for listening to it and following along. And I think we can close the chapter on Readerly Report March book madness. Oh. Oh, so sad. I know.
0: We have to think of something else. We have to do something for the summer. Maybe we'll do our classics so challenge again.
1: Summer re- or we could do the ultimate summer read oh. each read. Yeah. Now that would be interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't read that many classics. So it might be hard for me to come up with that, but we could say like the ultimate vacation. Read. No, like our class. Well, we. I mean,
0: yes, we should definitely do a bracket because I am all for the ultimate summer vacation read. And because we have more time, we can ask for input in, in terms of nominations or I'm just curious yes. to see what people, you know, if you had this kind of conversation, what would be your choice for the most... Happening summer read or the most engrossing or the most, you ignored your kids, you ignored your family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't get in the pool yeah. because you couldn't get away from this book. We'd love to know what you think those are. And so that we can, com- you know, combine, if we've read those books, combine some of those choices. Yeah. And, but separately, Gail, I think, I don't know if we did it last year, but the year before we did our classics challenge where we had to read one over the summer. And I think... I think we should revisit yeah. that.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I have to do that for the every day I write the book challenge. Anyway, so yes, I'm all for that. I just don't know about a whole bracket because that's like, I Oh no, about 16 a, whole, classics. a
0: whole bracket of classics. We would have to yeah. um, bring in other people to help us with that. Yeah, exactly. Have different people judge different rounds. All right. So let's move on. You were on vacation why don't you take us through your thought process since you said you weren't too happy with, you ended up with a lot of stressful reads. So what were you thinking when you picked all these stressful books for vacation?
1: I think that's the point is I wasn't thinking like it was a rushed thing. I like grabbed a bunch (laughs) of books. Like usually it's like my favorite part of packing for vacation is really thinking it through. And this time I was like, ah, these all look good. I'm just going to take them. And I didn't think about sort of the collective stress level of the books I picked. So I, the backdrop is I was listening to, to educated still am. I was reading a book called Adele, which I will get into. And then I brought like three more super stressful books. And I don't know what I was thinking because, you know, especially when you're on vacation, like it's not great to like get all revved up right before bed when I'm reading, I don't know. It just didn't feel, it was, it was incongruous with my surroundings. I was like in Florida, it was warm and sunny. I told you about that with sitting
0: on the beach, how it's weird to be sitting there. Like I read trafficking. Yeah. It was a girl's trafficking story and I'm sitting on the beach (laughs) reading this book and I'm just in this really harrowing and stressful world concerned for these girls. Then I look up and it's like ocean waves and people walking by with their cocktails and
1: yeah, it's weird. No, You're right. You're right. It's incongruous. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. And I didn't think about that. And I just picked bad books. I mean, they weren't bad books. I just picked the wrong books. Right. So the first book I finished was Adele, which I had been reading, which I think I talked about on the show. But if I didn't, it is about this woman. She's in her 30s. She's married with a little boy living in Paris. And she's like a sex addict and totally dissatisfied with her life and completely numb to relationships. And yet she's also like insecure and sad all the time. And she spends her life like in fear that her husband is going to discover that she's like sleeping with all these random men. So it's just not like, it's not a relaxing engrossing read. It's just sort of like, it's what like roadkill you'd like have to find out what happened. You'd have to keep reading but it's not like super enjoyable.
0: That's interesting. Cause I had started reading that book and I did not, I haven't finished it. I didn't find it that engrossing. I was just like, Ooh, SSDD, you know, here she goes again, sleeping with someone. Now she's going back. I don't know. There was a lack of urgency for that book. You know, like every time I came back to it, it's like, Oh, she's doing the same thing. Um, yeah. I read her other novel, perfect nanny, which I feel like, I don't know. I feel like she's not a great storyteller, but she writes about these... And now I don't even know if that's true, if she's not a great storyteller. She's Parisian, so I feel like they write about things differently, and I don't know that Mm -hmm. I like the style because she's very spare, and I really don't like a lot of spare books. And Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's almost written from um, such an emotional reserve as to be just completely affectless, just you know, it's just told. And, um, I don't know. I have a difficult time with that kind of book. The perfect nanny brought up a lot of issues that I thought were just really interesting. And this book didn't have the same thing for me.
1: Yeah. How far did you get into this one?
0: Um, I think I got to the part where she's at this party and it's someone that her husband, knows that she's thinking of you know she wants to become involved with and first he puts her off but then it seems like he comes back he starts calling her later on yeah I will probably finish it because I'm halfway through and I do sort of want to see how it wraps up and if there's anything that will happen to make me feel any differently but it's just sort of one of those books that I can read a few pages and then I'm like
1: okay yeah well it's also not like I want to call it a relaxing book So, okay, so I finished that, and then I picked up Golden Child. Well,
0: overall, but overall, would you recommend it, or are you you just sort of like, Mm. mm. hmm?
1: If you don't like books with lots of graphic sex in it, then I don't recommend it. (laughs) And if you don't like books about infidelity, because there's people who say, like, oh, my God, I like that book, except I couldn't stand the infidelity subplot. So if you can't stand, like, sex and infidelity, then this is, like by far not the book for you. Um, I'm glad I read it. I found it interesting. I do think that the author hits on some interesting themes about sort of motherhood and identity. And, you know, she had some issues in her family with her parents that, you know, I guess you could partly argue made her the way she was. Um, And that was interesting. And it was not a long read. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not unhappy that I read it. And, you know, if after hearing this discussion, this sounds remotely appealing, then I would say pick it up. (laughs) But I'm not unhappy that I read it. That's Gail's endorsement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If you don't like, you know, graphic sex, then definitely don't read it. And it's not like erotic sex. It's just extremely clinical. It's very, you know, which is sort of her point. Right. That's what the book is about. Um, Yeah. So I would say, you know, there's like a, I forgot what magazine, or what source it uh, that I look at that has like buy it, borrow it or skip it. This is definitely a borrow it. Mm-hmm. Like if your library has it, you see it on the shelf you have time for it, pick it up. I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't like go spend it. This is not going to sit on my shelf. Well, it's already been returned to the library, but like it, it's, this is not one I would keep on my shelf after I finished it.
0: It would have been Spivey
1: swapped. It would have been swapped. Yeah. If I could have found the right recipient. Um, Okay, so the next book was Golden Child by Claire Adam, which we've talked about on the show. This is one of Sarah Jessica Parker's imprints. Uh, I've forgotten the name of her imprint. Do you remember what it's called? It's SJP for Hogarth. Okay. And she also did A Place for Us. And uh, Golden Child, I believe you've started but haven't finished. It takes place in Trinidad. It's about a family with twin sons, One of the sons is like off the charts smart. The other one has a learning issue due to his childbirth. Like his cord was wrapped around his neck for a while and he had some brain damage from that. And basically, the son who has the learning issue disappears and the family has to figure out where he is. And when they do, it causes them to make some really difficult choices about the other son and the other son's future. And there's some sort of familial stuff tied up in there. So I don't want to give away too much it is definitely a stressful book. You know, the kid's been kidnapped and you see where he is and you follow him. And so, you know, really stressful to see what's happening to him and you feel really awful for him. And then you feel awful for his parents and then they have to make this terrible choice. And, like again, not a not a relaxing book. I really liked it. It's literary fiction. Um, it's for me. It, it's interesting. It reminded me a bit of a place for us because it has to do with kind of the black sheep of a family and and the struggles a family faces. And I, it, it was interesting to me that Sarah Jessica Parker kind of picked both of these books because even though they're, they have very different settings, I think there are some common themes between them. And um, I'm glad I read it. This book will stay on the shelf. So this was a good one. But it just was stressful. (laughs) Gail was stressed. uh, She was literally stressed out. Stressed from the reading. So then my choices after that were also stressful. Like I had brought as my classic read, and then there were none by Agatha Christie, which is, you know, like – 10 murders in a row and I just kind of read a review of it before I uh, was going to start it and someone's like this is a very stressful book and I was like ah so then I had picked a couple of other ones but the one that I decided to read was Baby Teeth oh, which God. I'm reading right now which is unbelievably stressful. I told so, you. and I know you did. I know. And you were tr- You wanted I, not, it. <laughs> I wanted it. I know it's so if, if you don't know about Baby Teeth it's about This six year old girl who is completely evil and who tortures her mother physically and mentally and is unbelievably manipulative. And someone has described it as we need to talk about Kevin meets, so God, what was it? I forgot what the other book it was. But I mean, that tells you alone. Kevin is probably the most stressful book I've ever read. And so um, I'm like halfway through Baby Teeth and like, I mean, I'm reading it because I want to know what's going to happen. But again, like I am not like, it's not a, oh, I can't wait to get back to this book. And it's just, you know, transporting me. This is a book that I had to peek a,
0: a few times. I had to peek ahead a few pages because I was just like, I just can't with this. I just have to know that whatever I'm reading now is sort of like, I need to know that it's going to be a little bit okay. Okay. Or I can't just read w- this because it was super it? stressful.
1: And and was it okay? Because I, that's how I feel. Are you
0: asking me to spoil the book? For you? is this another stars? No, are don't fire? spoil it.
1: Don't yeah. Well, don't do it on the show. First of all, we're we're recording, so don't do it now. Maybe when we hang up. Because I don't want to spoil this for anybody else. But kind of, yeah, I kind of do want you to just tell me, like, is this going to have some sort of acceptable resolution at the end? Because hmm. it's certainly not leaning that way, but. All right, you know what, we'll, why don't we talk about that offline? You'll just so have to, you know, you'll much. just
0: have to find, you're going to have to stick it out. Oh,
1: God.
0: I made it through. <laughs> do what you have to do. If you have to, you know, if, if they're, I mean, they're, like I said, this book was, it was so, and it was so graphic. I mean, in terms of just when you yeah. say... Layla Slamani's book is a lot about motherhood or whatever. This one definitely is. I don't I just think it's one of those books we need to talk about, Kevin, first of all, because you're dealing with a psychopath. Second of all, because you're dealing with the ambivalence. Like, what does ambiguity toward motherhood get you? I feel like in both right. books, I feel like the mothers are just, you know, are conflicted about the children that they have and conflicted about what it takes away from their Relationships and what it takes away from them. And, you know, it's almost just like these books are exploring whether, whether you know, society punishes you for that or whether your own child punishes you for, you know, whatever ambiguous I, feelings you might yeah.
1: have about them, I think. I haven't gotten far enough yet. So in Kevin, there was this thing, like, which came first? Her ambivalence or his sociopathy like did she did he turn out to be who he was because his mother was ambivalent about being a mother I have not yet gotten to the part where I can dig into was the mom's uh, ambivalence did that precede her daughter being so difficult or did she like want to be a mother and was happy about it and then her daughter turned out to be so difficult
0: yeah I think I would say that with this book it's more like I would ambiguity from the start, like Eva and We Need to Talk About Kevin, I feel like was always ambiguous. With this, I feel like it is a little bit more like we all, you know, we're taught women want to be mothers, you know, you want to be mothers and you want to have a family. And what happens when it's not what you expected it would be? Yeah. You know, cause we all have, you, you have these, no one thinks, okay, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a child and it's going to be terrible. You know, <laughs> my right. child's going to be right. evil. You'd think it's going to be a happy thing. You can't wait to do it. And what happens when, when that's not quite the experience, but we should definitely talk more. Maybe we'll do like, we won't do a full blown book club about it, but we should definitely have a more detailed conversation about it once you finished.
1: Okay. And then I come home and I'm resuming educated and Ooh. like educated why, is why super just, stressful and it's real. Right. Why don't you just read something light? I, well, I, as soon as I finish both of these books, I'm going to have like a two palate cleanser. So I'm going to do an audio palate cleanser and I'm going to do a print palate cleanser because like, I feel like I'm just like a, like a jangle of nerves <laughs> from all of this. Anyway, so that's that's the story. My only other bookish news to share is that while I was there and you were nice to share my photo on the Readerly Report Instagram account, I went to Judy Bloom's bookstore in Key West. So apparently she spends a lot of her time in Key West, and she was lamenting the fact that there was not a good independent bookstore there, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. So she opened one. It's called Books and Books. And it's not a large bookstore, It is, um, and which makes it all the more admirable that it has what I thought to be an amazing selection of of literary fiction. It looked like it just Um, from the
0: picture that you sent.
1: Yeah. Like there were so many books that I saw out on tables that were books that I've heard about on podcasts recently that you and I have discussed like in our spring book preview. They were all books that I was like, oh, I want to read that. Oh, I want to read that. And, um, you know, it's just extremely well curated. So it's not like, you know, a full service bookstore that you're going to go in there and find, you know, shelves of nonfiction on lots of different topics. But if you're looking for vacation fiction, um, it was, it was really good. It also had a, you know, an entire, an entire shelf of just Judy Bloom, which I thought was great. And, uh, she was not in the store. I was kind of hoping she'd be like behind the counter, but. (laughs) unsurprisingly she was not but it was a good it was it was fun to check that store out i really liked it judy was off living her best life while you were browsing her bookstore yes as well she has as well she should (laughs) yeah um so yeah so that was uh that was a nice little nice
0: little so when are you going to finish when are you going to read
1: um and then there were none is that gonna be your summer class? It's gonna yeah, I think it will. It's from the library, but my guess is I'll be able to renew it. I doubt it's like got lots of holds on it right now. Um, I don't know. It's i need I need to like calm the heart rate down. <laughs> Once I feel like I'm at a nice low resting heart rate, then maybe I'll pick that back up. I know,
0: up. you don't even like murder and you're gonna take on ten murders in one
1: book. I know. I mean there's something about Agatha Christie, the murders are not I mean, you don't really get to know the characters very well. The the, the the appeal of those books is the intellectual unraveling of the mystery as opposed to the, you know, that's very true because they start dying immediately. Immediately. Like you don't really know who they are. I, they're like, they're like puzzles to, to work out. They're not tragedies, I guess. So I'm not too worried about it. But Do you
0: remember enough of her books? Like I was thinking about murder on the Orient express I feel like no one in her books, in terms of, you know, empathy or whatever, I don't think that she does, she doesn't do, a lot of her books seem to revolve around awful people dying, being murdered.
1: Yes. Yeah. They're not usually like in the throes of passion types of things. They're premeditated, calculated murders of people who deserved it. I mean, Murder on the Orient Express there, and, and interestingly with that book, I mean, there are there are people that you would definitely feel um, sympathy for, like the people who had their had their daughter kidnapped and murdered. They were ones they were among the murderers in that one. Um, spoiler. Sorry. Spoiler. That's a pretty old book. But, yeah, I think you're right. They're not it's not like emotional passion filled stories. They're just they're very clinical. And that's that's fine. That's what you expect from her. All right, let's move on to you. What are you reading?
0: What am I reading? Okay, well, first of all, I have some updates. So, recent, I have been on Twitter sporadically, and I had tweeted about I was really loving "Where the Crawdads Sings by Delia you, Owens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't love it by the time I finished, guys. Oh no! I mean, I didn't. I didn't not love it. <laughs> I wasn't unhappy. I read it to quote you. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't unhappy. I read it. The, fr- the last third of the book, I think, really changed dramatically. And I felt like out of nowhere. And so it changed the way I thought of the book. I don't Know it, I, I feel weird about it because, on the one hand, I think it was a very enjoyable read for most of the book. I think it's a book where you do have to suspend some disbelief because it has like some fairy tale ish elements of it, and I thought those were appealing. Like, I, I knew that some of the romances or whatever, thinking of the situation that Kaya was in, that I questioned them, but at the same time. Like I just really enjoyed the book. I really enjoyed her experience, The Marsh. I thought it did a good job of exploring the roots of her family and why all of them made the decisions that they made. By the end, it turned into a courtroom drama that I felt like was implausible in a lot of ways. It really changed the the tone of the book. So while I don't think The Last Third was poorly written or anything like that, I think that the home just changed so dramatically that it was hard for me to reconcile all of them together. So and it, it dropped a little bit, you know, I would say it's a 3.75, you know, it, it was a good book, but it's not like it had some issues by the end.
1: Okay. I'm g- I think that may be our next book club pick for my real life book club here in DC. So I will be able to discuss that with you. Oh, that's yeah. Looking
0: forward to that. So I also finished that audio book that I have been talking about for the last three months, Looker by Laura Sims. I enjoyed the narration of it. I thought it had a good narrator. The book, for me, the content was just sort of, it was, you know, it was fine. You know, it's like, I'm not not unhappy that I read it. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> it was fine. You know, it was about this woman who... Basically, her life begins to unravel after her husband leaves her. Like, they had been trying to have a baby. They had been doing in vitro fertilization. They are living in this brownstone in, I believe, an unnamed city. I was never really... I think it's New York and Brooklyn, but I really wasn't sure. Like, maybe that's the part I missed in listening to it. So, yeah, her life is unraveling, and she is basically starts making really questionable Decisions, and she becomes obsessed and fixated on this actress who lives across the street from her. Like She's always sort of looking into her apartment and imagining what she's doing. And so, of course, she's not in a healthy state of mind, and it explores all the ramifications of how she felt about trying to have a baby, the failure of her marriage, and it looks like some inappropriate things that might be happening on her job. She is a literature professor at a college. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's that I've read this book before and it's not like it was anything. It's supposed to be a thriller. I don't know that it was that thrilling. She, To me, she was just clearly unraveling and nothing good was going to happen. And you're basically waiting to see what that will be. So it was okay. Okay. And it's a, it's a short audio book, so... So that's what I have been reading. I also finished and I just finished this last night on audio. This is another one that I had been listening to like I was going back and forth between Looker and The World According to Fanny Davis, which I enjoyed. Um it was narrated by the author. I never feel that, I don't feel the same way that you do in terms of enjoying books narrated by the authors necessarily. I think narration is just even if it's your life story sometimes, I think it's a skill and not everyone has it. I mean, she was okay at it. Felt like her voice, I don't know. Her voice was her voice. Her narration was fine, but, but I really enjoyed the memoir. It's about her mother who migrated during the Great Migration and she started a numbers run, running business in Detroit. So it was all about how the numbers running affected the family in terms of safety and the safety precautions she took. You know, it was about her mother and how proud she was of able to provide for her family. It's it's like that kind of story, how she was able to make sure her kids went to college and contribute to the community. And it talks a lot about the the politics of numbers running and how illegal numbers was was influenced by the mob and also the target of lots of police raids and how it eventually led to the legal the legal lottery. So, it was it was a really interesting like poignant tribute to her mother and just about something that you don't really think a lot about, I think in terms of the lottery and numbers running, just get getting a feel for what that was like. And also her growing up in Detroit and what her mother's experience was like for the Great Migration. So I really like that I started out reading it. And I think it works well, whether you read it, or if you listen to it on audio.
1: Yeah, I don't think I always like when the author reads it. I think it just depends on the author. Like, I thought, for example, in the from the corner of the oval, which I read earlier this year and listened to on audio, I thought she was a really bad narrator. And she was, it was narrated by the author. So like, I think it just depends on if they have that skill, that performance skill or not.
0: Yeah. I really don't think that all, I I really don't
1: think that that should be the default. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think you're right. Danny Shapiro, she was a good narrator. So just, you know, just depends. Danny Shapiro, I think Tina
0: Fey did a good job when she narrated hers, but she's a performer.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Bruce, but he's a performer. Like, that's what he's trained to do.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think it helps because a lot of these, you know, just from the conversations that we've had on the show, talking to narrators, you hear that they have so little time to prepare. Sometimes you get these books, like, you only have a day or so to prepare in terms of reading a book, trying to figure out what the characters are going to sound like or what you're going to do. Like, the turnaround time on some of these books is really fast. So I think that you do have the advantage if you're an author, who's a performer, because you already know your material. Yep. And you said Michelle Obama was really good, but also like, you know, and she's a, you know, public speaker.
1: Yep. She was great.
0: All right. So what are you reading now?
1: Well, I'm still in baby teeth. Okay. You're still in baby teeth and you're educated on
0: audio. All right. Yeah. I am. This is my season. As you can see, I finished up two audiobooks, So I'm going to be looking <laughs> for something else to start reading. And right now I'm reading this book called
1: Professor Chandra Follows His Bliss. And, oh, yeah. And I think we talked about that recently. Did we? Did you? Uh, did I think we I think it came up like on a like a roundup. Maybe it was a while ago. Did
0: you want to read it? I really like it so far. Oh, good. I really like it so far. It has a snarky kind of humor, like snarky kind of dark humor that I enjoy. It's basically about this man. He is a professor at Cambridge. You know, he's very acclaimed and he's been up for the Nobel Peace Prize several times, I guess, for economics over the course of his career. As the novel begins, he is waiting to find out whether he has won the award. So of course he does not. And then he gets run over by a bike, and his doctor and has a, like a, what they call a silent heart attack, and his doctor tells them that he needs to chill out. So he journeys to California, California to take like some teaching fellowship, and he isn't working on his book. And it's sort of about his troubled relationship with his daughter. He is recently divorced, I guess in terms of recency like three years. So it's all about him trying to find himself. I mean, you see that his family has basically, you know, he has one daughter who doesn't talk to him. He has another daughter who's going to high school or she's in high school and she's applying to college, but his relationship with her isn't good. And her relationship with the rest of the family isn't good. So he has some things that need to be worked out. I mean, we can see that he's sort of a pompous, arrogant man who's um, isolated lots of people in his life. So, yeah, we'll see. I'll see if he's able to get his bliss back and get his life together. But so far, he has not. So that's what I'm reading right now okay. while I try to figure out what it is that I want to listen to on audio. I'm also reading The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls, which I am
1: enjoying. Oh, how do you like it? I like it.
0: I really like it. There had I had seen some things about this book that people enjoyed it but had a hard time connecting with the characters or rooting for the characters and I can see I can see that so far I don't know that I really like anyone but I'm enjoying the book
1: one complaint I heard on Sarah's bookshelves was that the beginning is intentionally vague on details Mm -hmm. and I'm and some people found that frustrating
0: yeah it is annoying it is annoying okay yeah Sometimes, I mean, because it's such a common, it's such a common thing, you know, to build suspense or whatever, I think it gets, it's wearying sometimes.
1: Yeah. Um, Let's talk about our upcoming book club schedule so that if people are listening and want to join in, Um, later this month, we're going to be talking about The Dreamers by Karen Thompson Walker. So that will be, is that the 18th or the 25th? the 18th, 18th right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that will air on the 18th. We're going to be talking about that book. And then the next book after that is Is that a woman is no man? I think so.
0: We don't know our own schedule. I know.
1: I have that is I have that at May, yeah. Woman is no man is May. Okay. I was like, let's so let's
0: look you're... on the Instagram account cuz I yeah. posted it there.
1: Yeah. So if you are interested in uh, reading along with us and then following the discussion, you can plan your reading accordingly. And then after that, it will be The Farm in June. Yes. So I, that was my your... pick.
0: I'm really looking forward to that coming out. I think that'll be a big book this summer. It has one of those yeah. premises that I think you know people will be curious about, and it provides enough talking points um, and suspense and just a mix of things. I think that's a good a good pick for the summer Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that one too Alright, so we are very quickly Running out of time So yeah. we're not going to get to as wait? many April books as, I, as we thought Is there anything you want to mention today Or should we wait? Uh, we could do one apiece
1: Yeah, I think I have a few early ones Why don't we just each do one And then we can save the rest for the next show Okay, sounds good Because I have one that comes out In the very beginning of April So actually comes out today, which is April 2nd. So I'll do that one and then I'll save the rest for our next show. Okay. All right. So my first book is written by an author. I've actually never read anything of before, but she's very well known. It's Anne Beattie. And I think that is she best known for short stories? I don't know. That sounds right. So she has a novel that is coming out and it's set in a school and it has to, it's called A Wonderful Stroke of Luck. Comes out today and it is set at a boarding school in New Hampshire and it's about the relationship between a charismatic teacher and his students. Now, I know that's kind of well trod territory in movies and literature, but um, I've just heard really good things about her writing, having never read anything that she's written. And this just sounded really good. So uh, at a boarding school in New Hampshire, Ben joins the honor society led by an enigmatic teacher who instructs his students not only about how to reason but how to prevaricate. And then apparently later in life he comes across this teacher again. And this teacher's reappearance in his life kind of upsets the balance of his life. And it turns out that maybe his teacher isn't what he thought he was. I don't know. Sounds intriguing. And since she's such a um, well-known author and people think so highly of her. I thought I would note it for um, upcoming April releases. Okay. So,
0: come Out Today is a book that I'm reading and enjoying. It's called The Editor by Stephen Rowley. I've mentioned it before. It is about um, a young writer who finds out that his book has been accepted to be edited, and he has a meeting with his editor and his Editor is uh, Jacqueline Kennedy, On'assis, so I had thought that this book was going to be really light, too light for me, and then I started reading it, and there is some heft there and of course it 's fascinating to learn about you know this fictional representation of jacqueline kennedy 's time as an editor because you know this was something that she did in New York that i don 't know you know like a lot of attention wasn 't paid to, and she probably made it so that. She was able to work with people, but this was like a real, you know, a thing that she did for, I think, 10 to 20 years. So there he has some he chooses to write about his mother and he has an interesting relationship with with his mother. So it's about him and his relationship and making it in New York. And of course, he's a little starstruck working with her, but also working out in his writing and his and with his mother, their actual relationship. So that's out today. The book that I want to mention is coming out April 9th. It's called The Last by Hannah Jameson. And it is about this man. He's at an academic conference at this hotel in Switzerland. when, And I think his wife has just texted him or something. And he is trying to figure out what he should say in response to this text when all of a sudden There are nuclear bombs that are detonated in D.C., New York, and Berlin. So and then like all social media and all news is is stopped. Like so he is left at this hotel for two months, like I guess while the world is sort of coming apart and and no one knows what's going on. He's at this hotel with 20 other guests. When the water stops working and when he goes with a group of people to see why they're no longer getting any water, they discover the the body of a young girl in a water tank. And it's about, you know, figuring out he becomes like obsessed with figuring out who's killed this young girl. So, you know, me and locked room mysteries, because this is basically mm-hmm. what this is a locked room mystery under very adverse conditions. You know, um, the hotel that they are staying at is one that has a reputation for sort of being creepy. Like weird things have happened. There was like, there's been suicides there. So it's a creepy place at a very, you know, I don't know, fraught time in the world. And so it can only have been these 20 people. And tensions are rising. They say that the supplies are, dwindling, you know, um, of course in two months, I guess you pretty much start going going through a lot of um, going through a lot of supplies. <laughs> Emily St. John Mandel, who wrote Station Eleven, which is dystopian, the world has fallen apart and how do people deal, she said that this was a chilling and extraordinary book. So hers is the blurb over the front cover. I will I really want to read this. That no, this sounds up your alley. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be better than the last one I read. So you guys, that's our show. We didn't, yeah, we all have, it. you know, we'll have more April stuff coming up over the course of the month. And, you know, we'll keep coming back to you and letting you know what we have been reading. I'm actually reading a book of poetry. Wow. It's going to coincide with national poetry month. It's Hala Alian's book. And I had wrote, wrote, read her book. The Salt Houses, which I really loved because I normally, I'm not a poetry person and I'm not, you know, every now and then I'll come across a collection that I'll read, but I'm reading her poetry right now. So I'll have more to report to you. This was not purposeful. I started in March, but I haven't finished. So now April is poetry month and I'll have things
1: to say. Well, that's impressive. I'm intrigued to hear what you think. Um. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And uh, if you like the show, please share it with your bookish friends, people who like to read, people who like to talk about books. Greatly appreciate it. Send it around, share it with your book club, share it with your best friend, whoever likes books and likes to talk about books. And let us know what you think and let us know what books you're looking forward to. So you can reach us on our Facebook page, through Instagram, you know, however you like to talk about books. Yeah. So until next time, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.